What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Oz, Benji Wozniak. And this week, we're going to talk about Spy. And we have a special guest who was just on our last show, Dorbins. So welcome back. Welcome back, Dorbins. I know it's been a long time since we've seen you last. Ages. <laughs> it's been ages. All right. So we're talking about the Paul Feig feature, Spy, released in 2015, starring Melissa McCarthy, Jude Law, uh, Rose Byrne, Miranda Hart, Jason Statham. Huge, huge cast. Very interesting film um, in the spy sort of James Bond genre. Um, very much a genre film, but with a fun twist. Um, I have uh, many connections to this film, so I will go last. But what is everyone else's history with it, um, Dorbin? My history with it is I, I like uh, Melissa a lot, Melissa McCartney. Um, so when her film came out, I was just like, let me check this out. And then I saw who was in the cast and I was like, oh, okay, this is going to either be very interesting or very bad because, <laughs> you know, it's always like that uh, when you have such a, um, a plethora of actors on screen. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I watched it and I could not stop laughing um, throughout the entire thing. So yeah, that's sort of my history with it. Nice introduction to the word plethora. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Good job, Dormans. That's right. Plethora, people. So for me, I had never heard of the movie. Um, Kira actually said, why don't we do Spy? It's one of my favorite movies, and my birthday's coming up, and it would be great. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I'm glad I did. It was very funny. I, I actually sat back and watched it and was just dying laughing, and I couldn't stop laughing because some of the parts in it with Melissa McCarthy were just beyond hysterical and uh, I, I really like it. I think it's so funny because what Melissa McCarthy does so well is like this like very physical comedy but at the same time she understands timing as well so I think we have her through these like very intense sequences of like action and fighting and then she's throwing out these one lines that I think are hysterical if we can go scene by scene but a scene that st sticks out to me specifically is when she's fighting um, the buyer in the green jumpsuit and she like stabs her through the hand she hits her in the head with the frying pan it's all very like three stooges esque but it's also supposed to be like serious i don't know and melissa mccarthy brings this like levity to the role i think that's really engaging yeah yeah i definitely agree i was actually watching that scene before i came in and it was funny what because i looked a little bit on like um the stunt choreographer and how they got everything situated and apparently it was inspired by a lot of uh jackie chan's uh 1980s movies which i was like ah that's where it is because it fits very well with her sort of comedic timing and then of course jackie chan sort of physical comedy and physical action so yeah that scene was great it was incredible it was so funny and what i like about the movie is that in the beginning she's very mild-mannered she's very soft-spoken she's kind of trying to figure out who she is even though she's developed within her own self she struggles with her identity and how she presents herself. We see Jude Law making comments about how she has cats and how she's like alone and how she's like depressed. She gets these covers of like sad women from the Midwest. And I think it's very telling of how society views um, bigger women of a certain age. I think it was no one got the chance to know that she wanted to be an agent. No one got the chance to know that she is super talented in the field. So I think that was super funny and how she continued to prove herself over and over and over again. And really, her the only person I thought, besides Miranda Hart, who believed in her, was Jason Statham. Even though he's seen as like this antagonist to her, he's never saying 
he's saying you're not capable, but that's his own ego because he sees that she's actually capable and they do work together. Yeah, definitely. I think that their sort of chemistry on screen was great, <laughs> especially especially when you see like the, the behind the scene featurettes when they would sort of break down after every set of jokes that Melissa would just keep pounding him with. It's like they it, it was good to see that they had a lot of fun doing it, too, uh, which was great. Um, but yeah. The chemistry and her, like you were saying, like her, her characterization and her struggles. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm totally on point with all that. Yeah. And then I think it's so funny too because then we have someone like Rose Byrne, who's very conventionally attractive. She's supposed to be seen as like coming from money, coming from this mob family, and she's so dumb. Like she, (laughs) she's actually dumb. Like yeah, she's a bitch, but she can't do any anything. She can't even like remember anyone's name. That was like my funniest, the funniest thing is that she couldn't remember anyone's name. Yeah, I thought um, the whole thing was like the premise of the movie is um, she's a spotter for an actual agent. And then as a spotter, she's leading him through all this stuff and, and basically keeping him alive until at one point she fails and he dies and it, she holds it on her. There's a twist to that, by the way. I just want you to know. But uh, yeah, so watching that and then she ends up having to like face this woman on the plane when she's pretending to be a bodyguard and when they lose gravity and she's going <laughs> up and down and the guy between her legs, the dead body, it was just so funny when like she plops to the ground, the guy's like the dead guy's face goes right between her legs and she's like, Oh, seriously people? Like it was great. <laughs> I mean, in that plane scene I lost my mind when she started comparing yeah. um her mother <laughs> to to Melissa. I was like, Oh my yeah. god. That was great. She's like, I'm not like your mother. A Bulgarian, a, a Bulgarian clown, I think she said. Yeah. I was like, who, who thought of this? Yeah, that was hysterical. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. If you get a chance to watch this movie, you, after you listen to this review, you're going to be like, yeah, I got to watch it because it's really funny. It is. And Rose Byrne is, his, I mean, every line that comes out of her mouth is so funny. Even when like Melissa McCarthy is like trying to, she saves her life at one scene in a casino because someone poisons her drink. And she goes, Oh, do people roofie you often? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. That was great. And it was just like, I think it also is like, she's seen as this like high class woman who's like, oh, I'm so hot. Of course, someone would try to put something in my drink. You don't know who I am, but you, I'm looking at you in this ugly prom dress. Like every, she was so biting. It was very fun. It was very funny. Yeah. For me, it was the first time that I realized that uh, Rose could like do comedy. Because every time I've seen her in other things before, it was more serious things or sort of action-packed stuff. But when her and Melissa were going at each other, I was like, I can't. I can't. I need to stop. Right? It was so fun. I thought Melissa carried a lot of what I would imagine from what I've seen Robin Williams doing on set, where yeah. he's just constant, funny, nonstop. And when people are like, okay, you got to stop. you got to keep rolling. we got to keep moving. I find that Melissa, especially in this film, because it's her moment to shine. And I know this movie came out in a string of movies. Um, where she was sort of like seen as like this bigger kind of funny person. It was like that um, spy, and there was oh bridesmaids. Bridesmaids the, is the one that kicked it all off. And she does this like, string of comedy movies, but I think this one she really subverts every trope of being a bigger woman because you see her being capable time and time again. Um, and I'm saying this as a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. Yeah, definitely. And I also like the scene when they were ta- showing her like um, her training video when she was like throwing people around like ragdolls. I was like, oh, my God, 
that was great. Don't get her pissed off. Right, that was great. Yeah, I thought um, Alice and Janie really was hilarious in that because to see her as the head of the CIA, I think it, I think it really was like supposed to be like we're women. This is like a women centric film, and this is what we're doing to empower them. Um, and she was so funny. I mean, she was going toe to toe with Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham. The one scene when he asks about the face-off machine. <laughs> I know there's a face-off machine. You're all just hiding it from me. <laughs> that was great. Or like when she gets the, the secret identities, she's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I got cats. <laughs> hundred cats. She's like, oh, come on. <laughs> it was hilarious. And it was so fun. And I thought, and I think this movie for Paul Feig, I liked a lot more where he blends two genres. And this one being action and comedy. Versus um, the la- the latest movie I saw by him was A Simple Favor, which blended more of like a thriller and a comedy, which I thought fell flat. Um, not for any other reason, but I thought it was a poorly done movie. Um, but I thought this one, it really shone because we see a lot of um, male spy comedies. Like Austin Powers, I would say, is the most equivalent to this one um, in a genre type of way. But I think this one really is more action forward and I think just like more well-rounded. Yeah, I think definitely because uh, Paul was such a fan of James Bond movies that uh, he tried to make those moments as, I guess if you want to say realistic, but as accurate as possible. Um, I think that also lended to making the comedy land when it landed. So, yeah. Of course. And then we have the two different types of agents, right? We have Melissa McCarthy's in-the-ear kind of booth agent who then goes into the field and then we have what we imagine as an agent in Karen Walker. She's beautiful. She's effortless. She goes on very successful missions. Um, everyone's jealous of her. She walks in the room. There's confidence. And then it turns out that she's a double agent. Oh, it's obviously, you've watched our, listened to our podcast. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, but she's a double agent. And I think it's so interesting to see. It's like, oh, I, I don't know. What are you guys, what are your thoughts on that as the two of them as parallels in the movie? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it added something that we didn't see before, something that was more interesting. And again, it just showed different sides to the actors as well. Because again, I never really saw Marin, I forget her name, uh, but I never really saw her in anything comedic before. Um, And I think that that was a great introduction um, to seeing more of her work. Because again, I think she went on to do things like Deadpool and things like that as well. So... Yeah, I thought the contrast and uh, not only the what you would stereotypically think of a good-looking person or a attractive person being the person who's actually sort of um, playing their own things behind the scenes or, you know, the villain of the story or the antagonist in this instance. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, definitely. So my thing is I liked it because uh, if you watch the superhero movies of Marvel, DC, all the superheroes are these finely attractive gorgeous people and you know in reality not everybody looks like that just saying so uh, to see Uh someone (laughs) to see someone like you know like is a normal person like that you know maybe she is a little heftier but like she's kicking butt and there's another movie she does where she's a superhero oh yes the one with um octavia spencer on netflix yes that is hysterical that is really good and it just shows that like i like it because it's more like realistic that people don't have to be like you know supermodel gorgeous to be like you know kick-ass person or like a great actress or a great actor i mean you can be a normal person just like we did with um prey and and the other movies where we talked about people that like 
they're using people that are realistic instead of like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger where I must have muscles up my muscles. I mean, we, listen, I walk down the street, I don't see a lot of people with muscles up my muscles uh, <laughs> unless I go to the gym. And half the time, I don't see those people on the street. I don't know where they go. Where do muscular where, people go? Where do they go? I think they just power <laughs> right? down at night. Right? Just I, charge up, steroid up. I feel like it's a Game of Thrones and Tyrion Lannister. So, you know, where do dead they prostitutes go? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, where would the troglodyte go? Oh, they went home. <laughs> Sorry, people. I have nothing against people with muscles. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> oh, we do. We hate you. <laughs> you don't exist. <laughs> you big balloon. No. <laughs> joking, joking. Listen, my name's not Ben Wozniak. <laughs> I am Lima. <laughs> <laughs> I do not approve. <laughs> but no, I thought I thought the movie was um very well done. It's very quotable and it's it's a fun movie to watch, I think with friends cuz everyone goes into it and I think with very different expectations. You start with a very James Bond-esque cold open where we see it's very um Jude Law being very suave, but oops, he makes a mistake cuz he doesn't take his allergy medicine. And I think that kind of kicks in the comedy of what the movie will be. Um, I think, I think it's very, um, well done though. And I like Miranda Hart in it. I think she plays a very good, I've only ever seen her as a leading role in her own show, Hart, Mar- the Miranda Hart show from the UK. So to see her as like this best friend kind of role, I thought was really funny. And I thought that her and Susan had a very good supportive relationship of each other, which in films in past, we we're seeing a shift now. Um, we, female friendships weren't celebrated like they like they are now. And I think it's really fun to see it in different genres. Uh, so what do you think, or who do you think had the most uh, chemistry between Melissa and, and the other? Oh, Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham. I think any time that they were together, it was hysterical to me. When he breaks into her room, when he's like, all right, pipe down lunch lady, when they're in the casino together, I think that they had such an incredible chemistry and... I loved their arc of being complete parallels to each other in different ways. Like he's this like unhinged agent and she's like a more, I don't want to use the word demure because she's never demure in it, but she's much more methodical than him, but they're both trying to achieve the same goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. For me, it was Rose and, and Melissa. I think that every time they just were going at each other, it was awesome. And I think that when she sort of cracked her shell a little bit towards the end was also satisfying. Um, yeah, I just I just love their dynamic. Like every time they were on the scene together, on the screen together, they were just great. I love them when they're at the very fancy restaurant in Rome and she's like, and she's trying to order wine to impress her. And she's like, I wanted to have the grit of a hummus that has been smoothed out with a water. And they <laughs> of a tree. <laughs> Kick it back. Like the the things that just like come out are so funny. Is it, is that, that's a napkin. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, "Do you always peel your food apart like a baby squirrel?" <laughs> but oh. no, I agree. Rose Byrne and Melissa did have great chemistry. Who is it for you, Ben? I thought Statham. I thought at the very end, <laughs> like the, after the scenes when they're in bed together, and she's like, "Oh my god, no!" And he's like, "You loved it." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so funny because Jude Law never looks at Melissa McCarthy as capable or as good at her job or as a like a sexual being and then you have the italian um uk agent i forget his name who is very handsy but hilarious and then we have jason statham who are both like you're good at your job we're pursuing you and i thought that that was super interesting how 
um, if you ignore what traditional beauty standards are, your world opens up. I don't know. I just love the Italian character. I think it's American standards. It is American I would say standards. other countries don't have the standards we have. You don't have yeah. to be pencils thin. I mean, I think, what is it, France now? If you if you have a model and you starve that model where they're pencil thin, uh, you can go to prison. Like, the models have to be natural. They can't be, like, American, American, you know, anorexia, <laughs> looking, right. like, sickly. Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but just just to go back to that point again, I can't believe I forgot about, uh, what is his name, Aldo? Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> he was he was always pushing the envelope yeah. every time he got on screen. I, untie me. That's my butt. <laughs> there, I mean, any line that he says, he was just flirting. Yeah. There was nothing that came out of his mouth that was non-sexual. It was yeah. all... Oh, yeah, then you find he's like the head of the British uh, Secret Service, and you're like, oh my God. Where is he? <laughs> Where is, is he? he? Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> oh, that was great. It was great. And then Jude Law at the end, turns out he's not dead. Spoiler. Yeah. He faked his death to date Rose Byrne, yeah. which was a deep cover, yeah. which I was like, you just got caught, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely got caught. And then when he sort of changed his mind on on um, on Melissa's character towards the end, it was just like, yeah, too late. Yeah, just gonna have a girls' night out. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna go party with Fifty Cent. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> the helicopter scene. <laughs> the helicopters. He wants me. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. So because Fifty Cent, I think at this time has done some acting before he got to this role. I think he was just in Budapest and was like, guys, throw me in the film. I'm doing a club performance anyways. That was classic. It was really oh, good. Oh, yeah. Definitely classic. Oh, man. And when she attacked him on stage, too. <laughs> Wraps herself around his leg. 50 cent piece. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it was will, a great movie. It was a great. I will sit here and quote the whole movie for you guys. <laughs> oh, we do this. We spoil everything. Oh, listen, yeah. We do spoil. Listen, you got to watch it. But you still got to watch it because you, you, after you listen to us talk, you're like, all right, I got to see this in person. You know, I got to watch this in person. Definitely an experience. Oh, yeah. And for it to come out, for it to come out in 2015, it feels like it could come out now. I think. I mean, there is some language that is rough to hear. You get suck your cheeks in a little bit when Roseburn drops the R word more than once. Um, so that does not age well. Um, but I think the storyline, the friendships, um, the action. I think it's a very fun film. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. It's definitely something you got to watch. Yeah, and there's a bunch of parts in it that you wouldn't expect. Like, like you're watching the movie, and all of a sudden, there's like some dumb thing that happens. Like when he gets in the boat, and he's like, "I'm gonna go to Italy," and like they're like, "Does he know it's, it's a, a lake?" lake. <laughs> so there's like a lot of one-liners and a lot of stuff that happens, and you're like, "You're like, this is just so it's so it's so slapstick. It's hysterical. I mean, it was that's the part that I liked a lot. It went back to the old slapstick style of humor where it was it didn't have to be like you know faked. It was just like this random stuff that like you wouldn't expect happening happening." that makes sense it does and yeah. it's it's so funny and i think melissa mccarthy shines in it and i would love to see her do more genre films like this yeah yeah i think she would do really well in that. i want to see her in something i haven't really seen her in something super serious in a while i think like no Did you watch um the one where she's the reporter um don't hate me or and she's like this reporter um it came out like two years ago she was very good, very serious, um, but she did a great job. She's kind of like this um, reporter who exposes a lot of people, so she's, like, hated. It's like, why, why don't you like me? Oh, now this name's going to drive me crazy. But if you want to see her in a serious film, 
very good. So it's kind of funny you would mention like Robin Williams and stuff. So like she's like the female version because Robin Williams did a bunch of serious films that you know people were like, oh my god, he can serious act. You know the one where he's the the, the psychotic photographer. Oh my god, one hour photo. We mentioned that before. So like you know, to be a diverse actor and actress in comedy, in comedy where you can actually come off and pull off a serious role, that's amazing. That's true talent. You know. Yeah, and I think she has it. I think she got kind of pigeon pigeonholed as a comedic actress. But doing more genre films like this, doing more serious roles, I think she's cementing herself as a powerhouse. I don't know. I'm always fascinated every moment she's on the screen. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny to think that she, her first major thing was Gilmore Girls. I know. Yeah, because I, I was revisiting some episodes uh, a couple weeks back, and I was just like, who is this? <laughs> Why is she here? But like, the yeah, Gilmore Girls is great. Thing. Yeah. Gilmore Girls is great. That's a oh. funny Dorbins, sitcom. Dorbins, you're a Gilmore Girls head? Uh, not really. <laughs> He's more but, golden girls. But no, golden I, girls. I, I, do, I do definitely appreciate the, the use of the language in that show and just like how they could just not breathe with every sentence they're putting out there. Dixie Carter. Like, where are you breathing? Dixie Carter. Oh, yeah. She'll, ta- she'll talk as fast as she wants. Right? No, the scenes between Rory and Lorelai are very incredible. When you say you're revisiting um, the dialogue and the speech of that, um, is it for um inspiration for technique what what draws you to it honestly i just put it on because i was just like let's revisit let's just see what's going on because uh, i never really watched the full series throughout i just watched pockets of episodes and yeah it's just i don't know what what word to put on it but it just everything flowed together there was an economy of words being used on that show and like many shows um of that high caliber i would i would put it up there in terms of um scripts and dialogue like really really high up there just because the words weren't um there was no wasted words (laughs) just to to make that simple um yeah that's really why i i like it so much yeah yeah you can always tell like a good written uh series like when you're watching something and like every episode has you kind of like oh my god this is actually pretty funny and there's not really many of them nowadays. Like, you'll hit, like, maybe one or two episodes, and you're like, oh, my, this is awesome. Then you hit a third episode, and you're like, oh, I could have done without seeing that one. Then the next one might be good. So there's a lot of hit-or-miss script being written, if that makes sense. I agree with that. I, in my mind, believe it's because people want to fill an 8 to 10 episode arc for a season, right? So they'll they'll draw you in with the first three, the middle ones are fillers, and then they'll hook you with the end for a season two, right? I think if they had more consistent writing or if they weren't trying to fill certain requirements by network, we would have more cohesive, better, every episode is good. I find that you see that a lot like season three of The Boys. Um, I don't know. That was the mo- one that first came to my head. But yeah. Um, there's even even like that um, anything that's like one season or two seasons that they're trying to fit I think that's where you get them just kind of meandering through and it's like Sheldon. yeah exactly it's like why do we need all these like filler episodes let's get to the point of the story yeah and I think that it harms them more than it serves them nowadays especially with there's just so much competition nowadays whereas in the past in the age of when you know Gilmore Girls came out um, you could have filler episodes because there were only a certain number of channels and a certain number of shows that you could watch on a daily night right so having one filler episode a week might frustrate you because I know it frustrated me every time I had to wait after a couple fillers came out to actually get back to what the story was about but nowadays I think it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit more tricky to do that because if you lose someone's attention they're just gonna move to something else and it's easy to forget about where you left off in whatever se- series you were watching I know I definitely do it a lot 
where it's just like I put something on. It's interesting for the first bit because, you know, they draw you in. And then once you get to like the middle episodes, it's like, where is this going? <laughs> why, why are you wasting my time with this uh, pointless thing that doesn't actually move the story forward or reveal something new about the characters? Um, so I think when they do that nowadays, it's just a disservice to themselves and whatever brand they're trying to trying to put out there. Yeah, I agree. I think like if you look at like a lot of the older series like A Team or Night Rider, these movies, these shows really had like no purpose being on, but the writers were so good they hooked you. I mean, how many episodes can you have about a talking car? But like every week was sitting there watching, going, "All right, what's going on? Get them, Kit." And I, <laughs> and like nowadays, like. I'll watch something and I'm like, oh, I got to change the channel. I really can't get into this. I mean, uh, I find that now with the, the new HBO special, the Targaryen. Oh. I watched, I watched it and I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, it's okay. And then I'll shut it off. And I'm like, I got to come back to this because it's not, it's not gripping me. If that makes sense. Uh, I have a rant in me about the Game of Thrones. Right? You want to go off on it? <laughs> we do tangents here. We I do. Don't think, I don't <laughs> we... think this is the, <laughs> the time for it. Just to keep it short and sweet. Yeah. Um, House of the Dragon, I think any other property that's coming out from J.R.R., I almost said Tolkien. But, um, <laughs> Martin, <laughs> that Martin, would, that would be, don't disservice <laughs> Tolkien would be, now. That would be a disservice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, people harp on a lot about season eight of Game of, Game of Thrones, but I think the problem was there um, many seasons before that. Uh, for me personally, I lost interest when Tywin died in, epi- in season four because I think that he was the driving force in terms of an antagonist for everyone in the entire show. Like literally he had his hands in everyone's pockets and everyone's motivation. So I think that he was a really good villain in that sense. Puppet master. Yes. And the other thing that they ruined so... <sighs> I can feel the rage boiling. Daenerys. You know, because it's like, you know, as an audience member, when you put your time into watching what, like 80, no, like um, eight hours for every season. No, it was 10 episodes, right? In the beginning, right? So 10 hours usually for a season, right? When you commit the time to watching that kind of stuff, when you could be doing other things, right? So when you commit your time to that, right? And the payoff is just so weak and uninspired and uninteresting. Because you can tell that the creatives were interested in it when they began it a little bit. And then once it got to the middle part of the series, they just lost interest and wanted to move on and do other projects. I think HBO should have just given it to other people who were interested in the project and continued the series. Because the moment you waste people's times, this is what I try and do with my own work. I mean, I'd always do it well all the time. But what I try and do is not waste an audience's time. Now, if you were a big major studio and you can't find the best of the best people out there to not waste your customers, because they're customers, right? We're paying for a subscription service or we're paying for the DVDs and whatnot. So when I put it on, I don't want you to waste my time. If I wanted to waste my time, I would go scrolling through YouTube or something. You know what I mean? So when I'm watching the series, I want a good payoff. Everyone can agree that Breaking Bad had a good payoff. We could probably list a a number of other. Yeah, Sopranos. A number of other series. There you go. You see, we can name a whole bunch of things where there was a satisfying conclusion to it. You may not agree with everything that goes on with it, but at least it's satisfying. But with the last couple of seasons, it was just like no one cared about it. You would always see these, <laughs> always see these articles where it's like, oh, we found another Starbucks cup. Yeah. We found another cup here. It's like if you have hundreds of people, where, I mean, I've been on a set where it's literally hundreds of people on a set. And you're telling me that no one, no one in continuity can be like, hey, uh, you might want to remove that coffee cup because... This is like the Middle Ages, and I don't think Starbucks existed yet. It's like, what are you guys doing? 
And the other thing that they ruined, I'm sorry, I'm waiting, I'm going on a tangent here. No, it, we do it all the time. <laughs> it happens. Like, welcome to our show. <laughs> but the other thing that they ruined for me was the White Walkers. Now, look, the White Walkers to me represented winter. They went. To, they represented a natural element in this world. They represented a nature. Uh, I'm not trying to say it like a natural element in the world or whatever, right? So. They represented this force that could not be stopped. Now, the only way that it could be stopped is if the world of men stopped their bickering, stopped their fighting, and focused their attention on the North and this coming threat, right? So that was the purpose that I believe that the White Walkers, White Walkers served in the series. And all we got from their big suspense and their big sort of conclusion is absolutely nothing. We know nothing about why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Which is I can't tell you how aggravating that is when you when you set up a whole bunch of stuff, you set up what their goals or intentions are possibly going to be. Right. And you don't deliver. <laughs> and it's like people are talking about, oh, they're trying to subvert your expectations. I'm like, no, you're trying to tell a crappy story and sort of package it in a way that says that it's a great story. You're just maybe a little too dumb to not realize it. I'm just like, okay, I see what you're doing. So when it comes to House of the Dragon, I think the problem it's going to have, I mean, I've seen the episode that the episodes that have come out and, Garbage. you know, if you compare <laughs> it to the Rings of Power, it's awesome. like the greatest thing to have ever existed Rings in the of universe. Power, awesome. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, <Glad> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another rant on itself. <laughs> But I think that it's just going to have an issue because, again, it's a prequel, right? So we all know where this story is leading, to right? To a dumb ending. To a dumb ending. The thing with me is if they didn't connect themselves to the Game of Thrones, A, with the opening theme being the same, and B, having this imagery where it's like you're seeing characters that you saw in the original series, like, uh, with, what's her name, Renera? She's definitely the Daenerys of this series, right? She's just a Daenerys that actually had her family lineage intact, right? So... It's like when they're trying to put all of this uh, stuff in there that's supposed to remind you of Game of Thrones. Because you can see when they're doing the promotions for it, they're always tagging Game of Thrones with it. Where it's like, that is not the best marketing strategy to attach Game of Thrones to this series if you want it to be successful. Because people are going to watch it because it's like Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> it's interesting on some level. I want to see what they're doing. But the attention is going to sort of die off because they're going to realize, oh, all these things you're pointing to are leading to this <laughs> that's the rant. Well, that was interesting. Makes me not want to watch House of the Dragon. Ha. Melissa McCarthy, do not take a role. Yeah, in House Melissa of McCarthy, Dragon. don't go near HBO. <laughs> Stay that's in our word to you. Um, well, if you guys want to watch a fun, cohesive story with great action and great chemistry, <laughs> with things that follow through, everything, everyone has good intentions. Well, not good intentions, but they have clear intentions. Um, check out Spy. Great film. If you can watch the unedited version, I would recommend that. They have some deleted scenes in it that are so funny. Um, yeah, any last notes anyone wants to end on? Dorbins, thanks for hanging out with us two times. We love having you on. Two times, two times. <laughs> I don't know why that came out so weird. <laughs> two chains. <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, guys, thank you for having me on. Um, I definitely love the film, and I definitely would recommend that you go and watch it because it's you're gonna die laughing. <laughs> definitely will die laughing. So you get a three for here. You can watch <laughs> watch Spy. Don't watch <laughs> Game of Thrones, the new one. And uh, and you your choice if you want to watch Lord of the Rings. Hey, we covered always three watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> always watch Lord of Talking the Rings. <laughs> Actually, I haven't started Rings of Power. Have you guys? Yes. Yes. It's okay. It's horrible. Bad. It's it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. 
That's how you look. I mean, to see to see Gladriel in, in an action pack, especially knowing that she's like a sorcerer supreme, it's it it it's kind of weird. <laughs> that's that's a that's a very politically correct way of saying that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's for me for me personally, it's it's always going to be compared to the Lord. Can't do it. It's always going to be compared to it. Even the Hobbit. It's it's actually making the Hobbit look a little bit better. That's shocking. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because so, Fellowship was terrible. <laughs> I didn't like Fellowship. Of the, of the Ring? Yeah, I didn't like it. I the first one. The first one. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's the, the that's the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Hobbit was all right. The very you first one. You didn't like the Fellowship of the Ring? No, I didn't. I thought what? Was, I thought it was drawn out. There. I didn't like it. I just didn't. I, <laughs> I'm a fan I of the books. I feel betrayed I'm a right fan now. of the books. <laughs> Listen, I like the two towers. I love the last... Um, <laughs> I just... I didn't like the first I'm one. I'm shocked. I didn't like it. I yeah. thought, I... My thing was that the very and beginning, you, and you say that the Rings of Power is what again? I, listen, the very first Lord of the Rings. No, when, no, no, when, no, no, when, no, 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 when, no, no, Go back, back it up. Back listen, it up, when it Frodo, up. when Frodo's dancing, it looks so fake. It, it was so no, stop. It looks so terrible. No. The CGI is awful. We're gonna say the dancing of the first. I'm gonna ter- lose my mind terrible. right now. CGI was terrible. And I'm it, it got better. It got better. I mean, I like when they're inside. Um, and and let me guess, you watch the theatrical versions and not the extended versions. Gotta yes. watch the ex- you have to watch yes. the extended version. I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> extended look, 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 I'll lend money. it out to you, okay? I'll lend you out my uh, my, my my subscription. Okay? Listen, I don't got my, I'm a podcast. I'm like, okay, <laughs> guys, listen up. We're doing Lord of the Rings in depth. We're gonna do a live viewing of them, and we're gonna convince Ben that they are great films. I love the movie. I love Two Towers. I love oh, Think the King. I I just Return of the King. I just didn't like the first movie. I mean, it started off with great action to reel you in, and then you got to The Hobbits, and <laughs> and then you say The Rings of Power is okay. It's, it's good. It's 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 great. But the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Wow. Listen, my opinion. <laughs> That's no, it's definitely your opinion. <laughs> ben, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Listen, and but... I hated the last Star Wars too. I hated the last Star Wars. Those were crap. <laughs> the last, I didn't. Okay, I'm not okay, a Star well, Wars head. We won't talk about Star Wars, but Lord of the Rings? <laughs> didn't like sir. it. I love the books. Hey, Tolkien was incredible books. That's true. I'm actually getting through. Yeah. Some of them at the moment. yeah, and I think it's great that C.S. Lewis and him were best friends, and like you could see that uh, like the the combination between the two, you know, and and yeah. Tolkien's influence. So I, I like. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tolkien. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis. I just wasn't a fan of the first movie. Okay, I feel like a betrayal has happened today. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I think Kira's this is on where her own we, from now on. I think this be is Kira, where we end the Kira episode. happening. <laughs> so wait, wait, I got, I got to know, I got to know. Do you do you like the first Hobbit better than you like the Fellowship of the Ring? No, I didn't like the first Hobbit either. At all? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't like that either. Okay. I, 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 st- I can sleep well. I, I would like to say that I watched the animated films as a child when they're singing uh. and stuff, and I really enjoyed those. I loved those. I thought those were great. And then my expectations going into them was basically, so I might be biased because it was basically off those cartoons, and in the cartoons, it was really fun. Smash their dishes, crack their plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates. That stuff was awesome. <laughs> That, that to me that was great and it was rhyming and you know 15 birds and five for a tree i mean if you watch the cartoons you'll appreciate that i mean they made an, a musical out of it and it was really fun i mean okay yeah fine i mean even christopher tolkien didn't really like the lord of the rings all that much <laughs> he thought it was just some big action thing or whatever but you know it's just the comparing it to the rings of power thing that's if, <laughs> if you can just if you can just admit that the rings of power is not as great no it's not but it's well. better than the, the Targaryens. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to die on that. Put on the red light, Roxanne. All right. <laughs> 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 all 
All right, guys. So yeah. uh, back to Melissa McCarthy. We really <laughs> Mel- <laughs> Melissa McCarthy has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and she's happy. <laughs> she, she's happy. It's all good, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. We have some more fun things on the horizon. Some more good movies. We're heading into spooky season, as you know, the best season. We'll be covering some old and new horror. Mwah. Um, so some th- fun things to be excited for. Anything else? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, right, still, I'm still shocked. You know, the I, of the room, I have so traumatized well. Dorbin and Kira. Mission accomplished. <laughs> All right, everyone. So thanks for listening, and please tune in next time to What's Happening.